people oftentimes would be like, oh, I'm going to get my vehicle outfitted for overlanding and then get up and going. And you just don't need to do that. You need a shelter, you need a food and water, you need some safety gear, you need some of the basics. So that's my advice is just, just get the basics, get out there and go have a good time. Welcome back to the Guy GPS Off-Road Podcast. I'm Wade, your host. And honestly, does that voice even need an introduction? Brad Cowitz and his wife, Regina, join us today to offer up their story on the origins of Trail Recon and their hugely successful YouTube channel. Brad talks about his amazing career before Trail Recon. Regina offers up sage advice for overcoming fears and reservations some people may have about camping and overlanding. While it's not a requirement to be on the podcast, you might have noticed that all of our guests have been using guide GPS on trips near and far. If you've been following Trail Recon on YouTube, you'll know that Brad and Regina are dedicated Gaia GPS users. And for a limited time, you can get Gaia GPS Premium with our best sale yet. Podcast listeners get Gaia GPS for 40% off. That's just $24 for the first year. Gaia GPS has everything you need for navigating those faraway places, from the motor vehicle use map to the U.S. Forest Service roads and trails and worldwide maps to take you around the globe. You can start using the navigation tool preferred by those who really get out there by going to www.gaiagps.com slash offroadpodcast to pick up that sweet 40% off. Back to our episode. Let's jump right in with Trail Recon. Brad, Regina, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, awesome. It's so glad to be here. I've been using Gaia for a long time, so it's been uh, it's been great using it on our adventures, and I'm excited to talk to you guys about uh, about how we use it and what's been going on in our lives. Well, let's dive right into it. While you're known for other ventures, primarily you're known for your hugely successful YouTube channels, Trail Recon. Last I checked, and I have to check back pretty often because it's growing fast, you have over 459,000 subscribers. If we assume that most of those are just here in the U.S., that's one out of every 700 people <laughs> are subscribed to your channel. How does that feel? Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty crazy. I, I mean, uh, we are international, so we can't claim that many uh, U.S. Uh, <laughs> subscribers, but it's pretty humbling that that many people want to follow our adventures and never in my wildest dreams that I think uh, we would be doing this by any means. It's been, it's been awesome. Well, let's go back to the beginning. How did you guys first get started into overlanding and wheeling and camping? You know, I go back to when my kids were young, we used to go out to the desert and ride dirt bikes and ATVs. And we just had a great time exploring out there. And it was such a great bonding experience for us and seeing new places. But we were kind of limited to only OHV areas, and we really wanted to explore some different areas. So that's when we got the Jeep, and uh, and it really transformed what we wanted, what we were able to do, and the places we were able to go. And and so we kind of ditched the dirt bikes and ATVs, and the Jeep became our life. And it's it's been pretty cool. So the oldest video on Trail Recon was October of 2015, Mud Caves Trail in Anza Borrego. And I, it's a classic. I know you, you're, I can, see, I can see that you're sitting there like, he's going to bring that up. But, uh, but I actually enjoyed going back and, uh, and taking a look at it. What do you remember from that day in that first video? Yeah, so 
I mean, I never expected to be making YouTube videos. It wasn't something that I woke up one day and said, I want to be a YouTuber. Cause honestly, I don't think I even <laughs> no. knew. I don't even know what it was. You didn't. Yeah. He's an accidental YouTuber. Yeah. We, I, I was active duty military. And the first time we took our Jeep off road, my son, Jordan was sitting in the back and he was filming on his phone uh, a video. And by the time we got home, he had put that video together and edited it with music and everything. And I was, I was blown away. I was like, that is so cool. Let's do that every time we go out. And, uh, and so just as a video diary, not for any kind of, you know, YouTube building kind of thing. And so we posted that on our YouTube channel. And, uh, and I look back at that video now and I just laugh, uh, but, but it's where, you know, y'all got to start, you got to start somewhere. But the cool thing was, is that people were watching that video and they were asking questions about, you know, the trail we were on and how hard was it? And do you think their vehicle could make it and what modifications have we done to our vehicle? And so we decided that, you know, we, it was really just kind of a hobby. We're going to try to make better videos and, and maybe answer some questions for folks. So that's, that was kind of how that all started with that mud caves video. When did you begin to realize that you were really on to something? I don't, I don't know if there was like ever a, like a specific turning point, but I remember hitting a thousand subscribers and being like, wow, there's a thousand <laughs> people that want to follow us and, and watch our videos. And that blew my mind. Uh, and I think that motivated me at that point to like really figure out how to film and edit better. And, and I have no background in that at all. I'm a medical guy from the Navy. And, and so filming and editing is something that's all been self-taught over the years. But uh, I don't know, I, you know, we hit that thousand subscriber marker, 10,000, 100,000. And it, it was so humbling uh, along the way that this many people wanted to follow us. And it's, so it's been, I don't know, I can't take it as a responsibility to make sure that I'm delivering good content to all those folks. Regina, what do you remember from those early days of Brad getting the channel started? <laughs> I thought, oh, this is a nice little hobby for him to have, something to keep him busy, you know? <laughs> he had retired from the military and was working as a government contractor, and I was working full-time, and having been a Navy wife for 26 years, I was really focused on my career, so I'm like, okay, good. He's not one of those guys who retired and is staying home driving me nuts, so yeah, he's a nice little hobby for him. Yeah, but it, it, did, it did start to consume. Uh, yes. my life a little bit because I was working that contractor job after I retired yes. and then coming home and editing video and filming video and trying to keep up with all the external influences. It was it was a full time plus job because, yeah. you know, come, coming home from from work and then filming and editing videos, he was out on the weekends hitting the trails and, and you know, mm -hmm. doing the overlanding so that he could capture all of it. So it was uh, it, it got to be a lot. Yeah. At which point. We kind of thought about, is it time to quit the government contracting job? And yeah, so we did. Yeah. Well, your content on your YouTube channel is quite varied. I mean, you're doing trips and trails and gear reviews and walk arounds and how to and food and personalities. I mean, you're really sort of the Swiss army knife of the off-roading and overlanding YouTube <laughs> community. How do you decide on what content to present? Uh, well, so in the beginning, it was just trails, but I, but there's so much more to getting out on these adventures than just the trail, you know? And so I, I don't know, I just like every aspect of it, whether it's the gear um, or it's the food that we're cooking or the camping that we're doing or the installs on the vehicle modifications we're doing. I just enjoy doing all that stuff. And I was like, you know, I can 
turn the camera on while I'm doing this stuff. I'm sure that other people will enjoy it. And I think that's kind of how it all came about was, you know, as I started doing it, people enjoyed hanging out with me in the garage. They enjoyed it, walk arounds of other people's vehicles. I like the diversity. It keeps it interesting for me all the time. And I can't be doing long overland trips every week to produce that content. So it's also a different way for me to add content that's not so intensive for filming and editing. The way I see it, it's all part of a whole, right? So when you go overlanding or off-roading, you've got to have gear and equipment. When you're overlanding, you've got to eat and ideally have friends that you go along with and friends have their own vehicles and a lot of people are interested in, in those vehicles like I remember reading some reviews from from his videos where people were asking hey about that rig that was in the background and so I think that's sort of how part of that evolved but it's it's really all part of the whole it all goes together yeah it's very true I mean all of that is part of the experience so coffee one takes <laughs> what are they and how did you decide to do that so that is a, a happy accident, I think. Um, so I have done live videos over the years and it's just not something that I have really enjoyed doing because sometimes the audio is not very good uh, or the video is you know, sketchy because the connectivity is not great. And so I kind of stopped doing live video for a while. And when the lockdown of COVID happened, there were a lot of people consuming a lot of content. And you could see that in the views of the YouTube analytics. And I was like, well, maybe there's a way that I can just more casually just film some stuff at home. And I was like, let me just turn the camera on and not edit it and grab a cup of coffee and just find a topic and sit down and talk about it. I don't edit the coffee one takes. It's a, uh, it's just me raw. Um, and, and it's been really cool. I think it's, I think people like to see the natural unedited stuff and, you know, I'll, I'll say some knucklehead stuff once in a while, but I'm not taking it out. I leave it in there, you know, uh, or if the dog barks or, the, you know, somebody walks in the garage while I'm doing it or whatever, I just leave it all in there. So it's raw, like a live video would be, but I have more control over the audio and the, and the video. And, and so I don't know, I, there's some of those relational videos that I think are important. And this one really kind of, it's just kind of like a sit down, just hanging out with you kind of thing. Yeah, well, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. And I, I like that format. Now, there is no Hollywood production team following you around <laughs> doing this. You're pretty much just a one man film crew whenever you're out there, right? Uh, well, I mean, my wife and sons definitely help. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's or, me or myself. Or hinder when I forget to focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just me, myself, and I, and I, and I, I actually enjoy the whole process. I mean, it's some people look at it as work, and it is work. I mean, running up and down the trails, or setting up the camera, or whatever, doing all the B-roll. I enjoy trying to tell a story on the trail or showing people how to do something because you know I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and and there's a lot of great content creators out there, but there's some not so great content creators. And when I watch those videos, I'm like, man, I. I I really never want somebody to have that experience when they come to Trail Recon. I want them to enjoy the audio and the video. And so for me, I just, I love putting that whole puzzle together and trying to make it happen. Where did the name Trail Recon originate anyway? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I think I was just toying around with, uh, with, you know, at the, in the beginning it was, it was Coet's Adventures, which was our, <laughs> which was our last name. And, uh, and I was like, you know, we probably should do something a little more, you know, specific and so you know when you're when you're looking at um names on youtube and instagram and facebook and websites you know th there's a lot of stuff that's already taken and so i was like you know what trademarks and like trademarks and yeah and so i was just like you know what what are we doing what is this this is we're out on the trails and we're kind of doing some reconnaissance for ourselves and for other folks and so i i just kind of 
put those together. And I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I could say there was some kind of magic thing that happened, but I was just kind of playing around with names one day. Well, it's a good name. So that's, uh, Thank you. that's fantastic. <laughs> Let's get into a little bit of your uh, background. Now, you live in Southern California, but where did you both grow up? Uh, so I moved around a lot when I was young. Um, I, but I pretty much lived on the East coast on the West coast, <laughs> West coast. Uh, I, I've lived in Washington. I grew up in Oregon. I lived in Washington, mm. lived in Arizona, but then when I joined the military, uh, they, they moved us around every tour, but they kept bringing me back to San, San Diego. Diego. And so mm. I was actually stationed in San Diego five different times over 26 years. And, uh, and when we decided it was time to retire, we were here, the boys were in high school. And so that's why we settled in, uh, in right. San Diego. So what he didn't tell you, so being from Portland, Oregon, his family were among the original overlanders. They actually crossed <laughs> to Oregon along the Oregon Trail in a covered wagon. Right. Oh, wow. Now, that's so, the heck of a background. I, I love that. <laughs> he's the oldest son of an oldest son going back generations. And so he's inherited this rifle that actually came across the trail with with his family. So his grandmother recently oh handed gosh. it over to him. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. And so, and hopefully sometime in the near future, we're going to do some like trips along the Oregon Trail. I think that'll be kind of cool to do I that. I think so too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Brad, you touched on your Navy career. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I joined the Navy in 1990 and I was at the time, this is embarrassing, but at the time <laughs> I was going to ITT Tech uh, for computer science and I, I was driving to school one morning and I was like, man, it's just, it's just not what I want to do with my life. Um, and I drove around for four or five hours in my little 84 Nissan Sentra at the time and uh, ended up at the recruiter's office. And I was like, yeah, that, that at the time it was, it's not just a job, it's an adventure, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, let's do that. Let's go have an adventure with the Navy. And so I signed up and uh, two months later, I was uh, in boot camp. And uh, initially when I came in the Navy, I worked down in the boiler room. So I was an engineer in the in the 1200 PSI boiler of a cruiser in the Persian Gulf during the de desert storm. And mm. uh, and I and I loved working down there. It was awesome, but it was so hot and the hours were terrible. And I had an, uh, a great relationship with the ship's independent duty corpsman, who's, you know, basically the ship's doctor, but they're, you know, mm military medic basically advanced and and I would hang out with him at night and he would teach me stuff and uh fast forward two years I ended up going to Corman school and be and did medical the next 24 years of my naval career uh and and I had the opportunity to serve uh with the marines and on ships and uh some all I think we counted like 30 plus countries that I've <laughs> yeah, that I've been to in that time mm -hmm. and it was an amazing adventure I I loved every moment of my career so so it wasn't just a job. It truly was an adventure. <laughs> so I make notes, you know, ahead of time for these uh, interviews. And on this particular question, I penciled in at the end of it, expect modesty. And that's exactly what I got. So, Regina, I'm going to ask you uh -huh. to explain what is a master chief petty officer for those people who might not know Navy ranks and why is that? such an achievement. So that is the highest enlisted rank that you can be in the Navy. And it's not easy to accomplish. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication. Um, not everybody gets to do it. And and he did it in, in a relatively quick amount of time, actually, which really talks about the great career that, that he had and the respect he had within the community. People still reach out to him about the impact that he's had on their career. I was an Air Force pilot. And the day I left, 
uh, home to go on active duty. My stepdad pulled me aside and he had been prior enlisted in the Air Force. And he goes, Wade, you're a fairly smart young man, but at some time or another, you're going to have no idea what's going on. (laughs) And And he was quite right. Uh, He said, and at that point, look around and Uh find the guy with the most stripes and ask for help. So in the Navy, there's a saying called ask the chief. And so that's basically, so the role of maybe the unofficial role of the chief Betty officer in the Navy is to guide those young junior officers along in their career and make sure they know what they're doing, kind of set Mm -hmm. them straight and, and uh, yeah, help them navigate potential pitfalls and landmines. And he did a great job at that. Yeah. So I can fully appreciate that because I mean, there were some chiefs that really saved my bacon uh, quite a (laughs) few times and I can just, yeah, there's just no telling how many people that you impact whenever you do something like that. So Thank you, Regina. I knew I wasn't going to get that answer from Brad at all. So that's fantastic. Now, Regina, you've had a nice long career uh, as well doing some really interesting things. So tell us about you. Uh, so actually, the way Brad and I met, I was a corpsman as well. So we met at my first duty station, his second um, which was Naval Hospital Bremerton in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And uh, I, I stayed in for six years, so not quite the 26 years that, that he did. But I loved it. I was a Greenside corpsman, um, which means I was stationed with the Marines as well. And then we had mm-hmm. our first child, decided one active duty parent was plenty. So I got out and went back to college for what I was originally going to do before I got into medicine, which was um, journalism communications. And so I did public affairs following his career around, and I was blessed to always find a job. So um, for the past 11 years, I've been a public affairs officer for the Navy, specifically Navy mm-hmm. medicine. So obviously, you know, we kind of love Navy medicine. And uh, actually, our son, Jordan, who started the YouTube channel, basically, um, is now a young corpsman serving in the Navy, and he's currently assigned to the Marines as well. That's fantastic. Tell me about your daily driver. <laughs> my, my <laughs> little I have a, a two-door yellow Jeep, um, which we got in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the first, it first was, year. It came yeah, out. so I was downsizing. Uh, you know, the kids were all grown up. The boys, Jordan, our twins are our youngest. So Jordan had gone off to boot camp. Justin had gone off to college. And I didn't need an eight-passenger SUV anymore. So <laughs> I wanted something a little more zippy, a little more fun to drive. And um, after doing some research, I decided, I, I, you know, I wanted a two-door Jeep. I wanted something small. Um, It had to be yellow because I had a Volkswagen uh, 73 Super Beetle when I was Mm -hmm. younger that I loved. And so this is kind of in memory of that fun car. Um, But essentially, I it was my commuter car, I drove it to and from work from from our home in Northern County, San Diego, to 32nd Street, which is where my office was at on the Naval Base. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, they're horrible commuter cars. I love driving my Jeep, even if it was on the freeway. (laughs) Well, I would not expect anything less from Mrs. Trail Recon to uh, have a Jeep as uh, a daily driver. So you mentioned that you both uh, met uh, when you were in the Navy, and I'm sure Brad remembers the first time that he saw you. Do you remember the first time you saw Brad? Oh, that's funny. Somebody has some insider okay, knowledge okay. there. <laughs> so I, I do sort of kind of remember it, but mm. not very really busy working. So my focus was on my job, but he was the new guy and our 
LPO, our leading petty officer, who was kind of like our direct supervisor, was showing him around. And I had been floated to a different ward and um, had I had a lot of patients that day. And, you know, I was getting ready to start mm-hmm. IVs. I had a, IV bags in my hand and this really tall, I remember this really tall guy, he was, you know, good looking and he was the new guy. And OK, great. Nice to meet you. Let me go take care of patients. I've got to get back to work. I'm very focused on what I'm doing in the moment. Uh, that's a great story. I, we actually share a little bit of commonality. Like I was in the military as well. And my wife actually did the exact same job that you were doing, except for the Air Force. And uh, we met you up at uh, Overland Expo there in Flagstaff this year. And she really enjoyed meeting you and wanted me to tell you, uh, hi. Well, but, thank you, uh, Sarah. I love I chatting with her, too. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, what did you think about Expo? I mean, this was your first time ever going to Expo, and you went to all three. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. It was definitely, I didn't know what to expect. So um, it, it was great seeing the community and all of the people there and getting to see, I mean, I, all the big metal part thingies I could really care less about. <laughs> I'm sure that's awful. I should people expect because I'm married to Brad that I know all this stuff and they'll ask me questions about torque and payload. I'm like, huh? No idea. But I love seeing just the people in the community and and, and the smaller things like, you know, the camp kitchen stuff and, you mm-hmm. know, the tents. And I actually enjoyed a lot of the really cool builds because that's one thing that is really cool about this overlanding community is that your vehicle is yours and you can customize it as much as you want. Um, at the expo in Flagstaff, there was one that had a hammock hanging off the front. <laughs> he had his own keg in the back. I mean, it was just really cool. It was really fun talking to people. So I had a great time. Yeah, they are uh, quite the experience uh, for those things. <laughs> and the dogs. I was surprised at how many dogs were everywhere. It was awesome. Oh, it's got to be like the biggest dog show going <laughs> every year. It just, you know, there's almost as many dogs as there are people and some really cool dogs too. So, oh yeah. yeah. No, I met a 113 pound Bernese mountain dog yeah. named, named Rascal. He was, he was the sweetheart. I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now you guys also have three sons, Jordan, Devin, and Justin. I had to laugh. Uh, one of your recent videos, uh, Jordan was out with the two of you and you had your yellow Jeep and everything. And so he's riding along and you've got a camera going in the, uh, in the cab of the Jeep. And you had that mother son conversation that I think all mothers and sons have <laughs> mom, are you going to upgrade to 37s or uh, <laughs> just normal conversation? I mean, doesn't every family, I mean, doesn't right. every mother, you know, have that conversation eventually. So I yeah. Important, important stuff. Yeah. We, I, we, that, we really need to do bloopers from that because there's so much <laughs> more conversation oh. that did not make the video. Oh, <laughs> oh that uh, just for some reason that totally cracked me up. I, I was just, <laughs> just sitting there just howling, but that was so good. Um, recently you took Devin out on a trip up to Idaho and you let him plan the trip. Yeah, that was, I got to tell you, you know, there's so many trips that I love and I enjoy. And, and that is probably one of the top trips that I've done. Um, and it was just my son and I, and we, Mm -hmm. we had been talking about going, uh, to Montana and up to Yellowstone for a long time, probably a couple of years. And, you know, it's just sometimes it's hard when you're when your son's going to school and he's got, you know, his job and, mm. and then my schedule is a little crazy. And so we finally just blocked off. Um, I think it was 10 or 11 days was that trip. And and I said, you know what, 
I said, I think it would be fun if you plan the trip. And uh, he was, I think he was pretty overwhelmed. It was pretty funny watching the process because he would like every day he would come down. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? And I, and I kind of pushed back on him. I'm like, well, you got to figure that one out. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I would point him in the right direction or whatever, but he planned the most amazing trip all the way up through, you know, up to Idaho, into Montana and through Wyoming and then back down. And he and I just had the most amazing time. And, and I did film that video, but honestly, for me on a personal level, that was probably one of my favorite trips, just he and I uh, getting to spend that good quality time. And then the places we went, the, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how, I, I mean, honestly, I wish I could just hire him just to plan all my trips in the future <laughs> uh, because he did such an amazing job. I'm like, we would get to a campsite that was up in the, you know, the pine forest overlooking a lake. And I'm like, how in the world did you find this spot? He's like, oh, but dad, I was just looking around like you told me to. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you guys also have uh, trailrecon.com that has a blog on it. I, I love the blog. It's some great kind of behind the scenes thing. And uh, Justin has written some of the uh, blog posts for that uh, about a trip into the Sierras and his attempts at fishing and flat tires and food and all that. I mean, it was just great family content. And he's a pretty good writer. Yeah, all three of my sons do a, do a great job, and they get it from their mom. She's an amazing, <laughs> amazing writer, and it's just it's uh, thankfully it's something a skill they all have because it's not a skill that I have. I'm good at doing <laughs> video, not writing. So, mm -hmm. but it's nice to be able to share um, their perspectives from stuff, and I think that's why folks enjoy those blogs because yeah. you know I can produce video all the time, but I think some people just enjoy sitting down still and reading something, and uh, mm -hmm. and when it's from you know uh, my wife's voice or or one of the boys voices i think it's a it's a nice different twist on on some of the things that we've done well over time brad you've had several different vehicle platforms and i do mean <laughs> several so how many how many jeeps have you actually owned and how many do you have now many um i, I don't know I, I i it's i'm a car guy right so when i when i grew up like my dad and my grandfather, we would just go to car shows all the time. And I just fell in love with cars as a kid. And that's, that was, you know, that's all I did when I was young. I have vivid memories of hundreds and hundreds of Hot Wheels all over my room. <laughs> uh, and that's all I did was just play with cars. And so when I became an adult and I was able to buy cars, buy cars I have, you know, I've, <laughs> I, I, I changed cars quite a bit. He and, did. And, oh, yeah. and uh, it's not something that's new just because of Trail Recon. I just enjoy different vehicles. Um, and so I've swapped out many cars along the way. And so trail recon has just been an extension of that where you know, I'll, I'll, uh -huh. I'll, you know, I'll get a, a vehicle and I'll enjoy it and I'll move on. Um, but I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know how many I've had since the a channel, lot. but, but <laughs> the, the original silver 2015 Jeep Wrangler is still in the driveway. Uh, we just did a huge, uh, huge transformation of that thing. I, mm -hmm. I, I can't believe that it's my vehicle uh, anymore from where, where it came from. But uh, that's in the driveway. Uh, Regina's little yellow two doors in the driveway. We still have the diesel um, and then the, the 2021 Jeep Wrangler diesel. Uh, then there's the uh, Ram Power Wagon uh, that's mm -hmm. out there. And then uh, in the garage right now, um, and I haven't even announced this on the channel yet. Uh, may maybe by the time this comes out, folks will know <laughs> about it. But there is a... Uh, 1974 uh, Cherokee um, that is 
I love I love the classics. There's just something raw and pure about them. But this is uh, I just had the engine rebuilt. The suspension has gone through. We just put new tires on it. And uh, if if you don't know anything about the '74 Cherokee, it's uh, it's like the Wagoneer, but it's a two door. And that was the mm-hmm. first vehicle to ever be called an SUV. So it's got a lot of heritage behind it. <laughs> is that the Cherokee Chief? No. So the oh. the blue Cherokee Chief I had to sell, uh, and that was not that was tough, but mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't get it smogged in California and, oh, uh, yeah. and the rust was going to be a nightmare. So I had to, uh, I, I loved it. That blue thing was just so beautiful. And uh, it was a chief. Mm-hmm. And it was a Cherokee chief, <laughs> right? Uh, this one's just a Cherokee, but, um, uh, but I, but I sold it to a guy in uh, Illinois who uh, doesn't require smog and he's a retired auto buddy, Illinois. uh, Illinois and yeah, a retired <laughs> auto buddy guy. And so, uh, he's got, he's going to take good care of it. So now do you do most of your modifications and installs and all yourself? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I think there's some things that you can do yourself. Um, and there's some things that it's better left to the specialist, you know, and sometimes it comes down to what's your time worth. Um, I think, I think it just depends on what, what your capabilities are. Uh, I, I encourage folks to try to tackle projects, but I think if you're going to do something like, you know, you're going to upgrade your ring and pinion, you know, that's probably something you should leave to a specialist to do, but tackling, uh, tackling a lift kit, you know, you can do that in a weekend uh, if you've got some patience and maybe a buddy that comes over, but that's going to mm-hmm. take you a whole weekend. And if you don't have the time for that, then sometimes it's a, it's worth uh, having a specialty shop doing it. But I, I try to do a lot of the stuff, but these days it's nice to have a little bit of support. So I, I do a little bit of both. I'm guilty of taking it to a shop from time to time. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys name your vehicles like some of us do? <laughs> he does. <laughs> so we just had this conversation on camera recently. Uh, I, I've been naming my car since I was a kid. So my grandparents have a, had a 49 Plymouth and it was bought by the family for my grandfather and it was top secret. So nobody was allowed to talk about it in front of my grandfather, but I had <laughs> been calling it the pretty car. And so, uh, that was the term that we're using when I was a little kid that, so but nobody would know about it, uh, that it was pretty car. And so I started, that was what, that's actually what that car ended up being called for decades later on, but I've always named my cars, uh, they all have a name except for my wife's in the driveway. <laughs> now, mostly Jeeps, but you've added a Ram power wagon and then added a four-wheel camper. Uh, was the motivation inside living space and comfort or just enticing Regina to go on longer trips <laughs> with you? Um, so I, I actually didn't think we were going to go down the four-wheel camper road initially. I just wanted a full-size vehicle. I think there's something special about doing that. And I wanted to share that with my audience a little bit about what the capabilities of a full-size vehicle can be, the possibilities. Um, and so we were just initially, you know, we just threw a camper shell on there and uh, we're pulling the trailer. And that's actually the adventure my son and I did. That was what we took with us. But mm. um, yeah, I definitely wanted Regina to spend more time uh, out there with us. And she's, she loves going out. But I, I think having some privacy, oh yeah, comfort. Uh, so a lot more comfort. Mm-hmm. That four wheel campers uh, is a great uh, is a great option, and and we've really enjoyed it. In fact, we're we're getting ready to take it out again here soon. I mean, again, I was in the Navy. I've been with the Marines. I've camped on the ground in a little shelter half, you know, mm-hmm. taking a little shovel out to do the things that need to get done. But I'm not a 20-something-year-old anymore, and I've been there. I've done that, and I don't have to do that anymore. So, <laughs> True. So I like being comfortable. A good night's sleep can make all the difference in having fun on a trip or not. So, you know, I don't like to wake up with aching bones. So pretty good verdict on the camper. Oh, yeah, we love it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, and you mentioned you've uh, you've towed some trailers. Uh, you've mostly done Patriot camper trailer, yeah. correct? 
Yeah, it's a funny story. So we were at Overland Expo, and I say we, my son and I, were at Overland Expo, and I think it was in 2016, maybe, and, and I was filming a video, and, you know, just doing my thing, walking around, and mm. I was filming a Patriot Campers video, and on the table of the trailer, they had the price sheet, and I zoomed in on there, and I was like, wow, what do you guys think? <laughs> do you think it's worth that much? Because they're, they're, they're an expensive trailer. Oh, they are, yes. And, and that's all I said. I, I said a lot of great things about the trailer because I thought it was cool, but I was just kind of sticker shocked a little bit. And I said that on the video. And Justin from Patriot Campers in Australia, a couple weeks later, apparently he watched the video and the channel was very small at the time. So I'm surprised mm -hmm. that he saw that. Um, reached out to me and he said, hey, mate, uh, how about you borrow a trailer and you tell me if you think it's worth it? And I was like, wow, that's uh, that's pretty powerful that he's even noticing me and offering mm -hmm. to do that. And so he offered to send me out uh, a press trailer that was here in the U.S. But at the time, I was still in the military. We lived in a different house. I didn't have a place to put the trailer. There was no way that I could have gone to get it. And mm -hmm. so, I, you know, I had to decline the offer. But fast forward uh, a couple of years and we moved to a house that has a bigger garage and a bigger driveway, which I needed. And <laughs> Uh, and I saw I talked to Justin every year uh, at the expos and I and, the, and a couple of years ago, I said, hey, does that offer to borrow a trailer still stand? And he says, yeah, for sure. So he, he let me borrow again. It was a press trailer. Um, it was a little Patriot Campers X2. And I borrowed that for about nine months. And I guess that's longer than borrowing it. <laughs> um, but he wasn't asking for it back and I was really enjoying using it. And, uh, you know, I think the great thing about a trailer is you could take all that weight off of your vehicle. Uh, for a lot of people as a daily driver and you transfer it to that trailer and now your vehicle, uh, when you're not towing or you're not having a, you know, a long adventure is a little, it's a little easier to drive. You're not worrying about maxing out your payload capacity. And those trailers are really, really capable uh, off-road. We have we have really put them through the paces. In fact, I recently, this last year, got uh, an upgrade. So we did an upgrade to the Patriot Campers X1. And uh, I remember telling Justin, I'm like, man, I'm going to take really good care of this. He's like, no. He's like, you do your thing. He's like, if you break it, we'll fix it. And so I, we have taken the trailer on some really challenging trails. We've taken it on, on parts of the Rubicon. We've taken it up to some pretty hard stuff up in Death Valley. And you know, there's pros and cons to a trailer, but these trailers go. Yes, they're in a premium, but there's a reason they're a premium. So, Well, the first one, the little X2, the blue and white one, my two-door Jeep could easily tow right. that one. Right. So, so my daily driver, again, to Brad's point, you know, mm -hmm. was still my daily driver, but I could tow the trailer, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, they're a really nice setup. I mean, you throw so much stuff in there, and they're nice to have a kitchen set up in there. And, you know, so when you get to camp, there's your camp right there. Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing for me now, look, I, I like just taking my vehicle out just by itself uh, because you can get a little more tight technical with it. But when we take the trailer, you know, we're taking 40 gallons of water with us. We're taking, you know, two full size propane tanks, our bed storage, uh, my the, privacy, yeah, tent. <laughs> privacy tent with a, mm -hmm. with a cassette toilet. Um, and you don't want there's a barbecue on that thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't want for space. That's not stuff that I would throw in the back of my Jeep, right? Because right. that's a ton of, can you imagine taking 40 gallons of water in your Jeep? Mm -hmm. You just couldn't do it. Um, and so it really allows you the flexibility to be able to get off the grid for a long period of time. So you've gone through quite a few rooftop tents. Uh, <laughs> now you've got a James Baroud. Uh, I ordered mine actually a little bit before you got yours. So 
it didn't influence my buying, but after some use, what do you think about it? I like it. I, I, it's James Brood has the most uh, comfortable mattress on the market as far as I'm concerned. I, I have no affiliation with them uh, mm-hmm. at all, but I, I've gone through, you know, the original rooftop tent I bought was the cheapest one I could find because I didn't really know if it was something that I was going to use or like. And, and I tell that people a lot is like, you know, you know, maybe you don't want to spend four grand on a rooftop tent right up front because you don't know how much you're going to use it. Um, But if you know that you're going to use something often and you're going to spend multiple nights on there several weeks a year, it's worth investing in a good rooftop tent. Um, And the mattress is so critical. Um, And, and the other part is if, if you're only going to be camping a couple times a year, you don't, you don't necessarily need to worry about, you know, fast or setup or fast breakdown. But what I like about the James Brood is it's very quick to set up and to break down. And so when we're on long trips, you know, multiple days, uh, you know, it's it's a minute in the morning and a minute um, at night, you know, to set that set up and break down. Yeah, I, I held out for years and then finally decided to to pull the trigger on one. And, and like I say, that was the key selling point for me was how quick I could get into camp and be fully set up mm-hmm. and then break down the next morning and be out. I'm not taking down a big old tent. What's a couple of the smaller mods that you've made to your rigs that have really had an impact on your experience out on the trail? A fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I resisted putting a, ref, a refrigerator in my Jeep for the longest time. And after getting rid of a cooler full of ice and water and soggy sandwiches, uh, to me, having a Dometic fridge back there has been prob- probably something that I wish I would have done right when we started. Um, and now it's that's something that I just won't go without. I mean, I we it was funny because uh, we went out the other day and uh, and I said, oh, let's just throw the cooler back there because I pulled all the gear out of there. Let's just throw the cooler back there. We got some ice and sure enough, <laughs> a bunch of our bread got soggy and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yep, that's why I still have a fridge. So I think a fridge. Uh, and, and, a, and a power unit, some something to power, uh, whether it's built-in power or a portable power unit, I think is really essential um, because for me, uh, I'm filming. And so I've got to keep all my stuff charged all the time and uh, to power that fridge and all your accessories and being able to do that is, is pretty important. So curling irons, flat irons when you're out on the road. <laughs> Yeah, we we date our trips as uh, BF and AF before fridge and after fridge uh, because they've totally changed the experience. Uh, Regina, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Uh, We'd like to get your advice for guys (laughs) that have a wife or girlfriend or significant other that they'd like to get out on the trail, but there's a little bit of reluctance there. What can they do to get past those fears and discomforts? So I would say first and foremost is make her comfortable. I mean, again, having for me, having a privacy tent and that little cassette toilet or there's a lot of little other kind of options for toilets that you can have. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a game changer for me. Like I said, I've been out there with a shovel and dug a hole and that's just not fun or comfortable and mosquito bites in certain places, you know, are definitely not fun and comfortable. So I would say do what you can. Brad has been very accommodating to make me as comfortable as possible. And again, some people call it glamping, but you know, it's all about having fun and enjoying the experience. And if you're miserable, you're not going to do that. 
So I would say comfort, convenience, and then maybe take it slow instead of taking your significant other on a week long trip to start with, maybe an overnight, you know, and build up from there. So start slow and then work up from there. Yeah, I think that's super important, right? It's like, don't bite off more than you can chew in the beginning. Like it starts, start slow, a, a single night, and then you'll figure out some of the things that maybe you need to change or some of the gear you need to bring. Right. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, they, they, oh, you don't need all that gear. You don't need all that gear. I think it's, you don't. All, it's all individual. I mean, you're not starting a fire with sticks most of the time, right? You have a, you you bring, have a lighter, you bring a lighter, right? So there's other things that, you know, each individual has to decide what their level of comfort is. But I think you find that by doing short trips and then you work your way up to the longer trips. Right. Like mattresses, like I've decided I don't like those little blow up pillows. So we bring right. my personal pillows. But again, that's my individual preference and then kind of meeting folks there. So kind of figuring out what's going to make your significant other comfortable. What are the things they, they truly need? to enjoy the trip because if they're uncomfortable, it's not going to be any fun. I mean, dirt, yeah, it's a part of it, but we make sure we bring lots of little hygiene wipes and things. So, mm -hmm. you know, I do like to be as clean as possible. Um, so just, you know, ways that you can accomplish that, I think are really important. Like the water at the Patriot camper at the kitchen, we have a sink, which is phenomenal. So just, it's the little big things, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brad, we got to talk about coffee because there's uh, going to be some coffee in pretty much every trail recon video. I think you've tried every way there is to make coffee out on the trail. Uh, what's your favorite so far? Uh, so look, <laughs> I love percolated coffee. It to me, mm -hmm. you know, I, I am not, um, I'm not picky, that picky about coffee. Yes, uh, he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, look, in the, in the Navy at, at, you know, four in the morning when you need a cup of coffee, sometimes that coffee on the ship is just, it's, it's raw, right? Yeah. And so you get you get used to drinking that just coffee. whatever you need. Uh, but I, I love percolated coffee. To me, that is just the purest form of coffee. And, and we have done something really amazing. I, I actually just got it in the mail two days ago. Uh, we have developed our own trail recon adventure coffee. Uh, and so that's going to be, uh, that's going to be coming out soon. And, uh, and we've made it a coarse grind just so if you <laughs> enjoy percolating coffee, mm -hmm. it's going to be perfect. And so that, that's my favorite way to percolate coffee. I'm a percolator guy and our rule is the first person up in the morning gets the percolator going yeah. and then, you know, it's, and while that's making, you can go do other things and all, and it makes enough for the two of us, or if I'm out by myself enough that I can basically drink coffee until noon, you know, just carrying a Yeti tumbler and yeah. that definitely it, makes the uh, day go better. Yeah. It's not, it's probably not the most efficient way to make coffee, right? There's probably faster ways to make coffee and, Correct. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah you, I mean, you can, even if you boil or heat the water and do a French press, it's actually a little faster. I just, I just love percolated coffee. Absolutely. A lot of us define overlanding as eating your way through beautiful <laughs> and interesting places, uh, which brings us to a friend of yours. Tell me about your first meeting with Marco. Uh, Marco is, he's the best person you'll ever meet. Um, uh, he's made me a better person just because he's so humble and, uh, and, and hanging out with him is just it's just a great experience. We, we met uh, the very first time years ago filming uh, his Jeep. Yeah, and I, I just reached out to him. I'm like, man, I would really love the opportunity just to kind of talk to folks about what you've done to your vehicle. And so when we met up to film that, 
uh, we just had the best time hanging out and talking. And uh, we realized that, you know, we kind of had the same adventure spirit, um, the same values in life. And and so we set up, uh, you know, a couple of trips that we did. And the more we did trips, the the more we just we just had a blast and people seem to really enjoy it. And of course he loves to cook. And so when we started filming that on the channel, it was, it was really an emotional thing uh, for the viewers because they got so, so engaged with his cooking. Mm. Uh, it was awesome because, you know, he was uh, able to start filming some videos on his own YouTube channel about cooking, which has been a big deal. And then he came out with a cookbook, uh, which is awesome. And so, you know, I, uh, I am not the best chef in the world. I do cook. People think I don't cook, but I do <laughs> cook, but, but nobody's filming me when I'm cooking. He makes right. a mean ramen. <laughs> Come on. Come on now. Uh, I do and cook. spaghetti. He does spaghetti. Uh, really well. But, but I think I enjoy filming people cooking. Regina makes some amazing meals out there as well. And so I just think there's something when you see food, you know, it's, you can't taste it, but if you film it right, you can see, you know, you see it sizzling on, you can on almost and you see the joy when somebody takes a bite of it. There's something emotional about food, and uh, and having a good meal when you get to camp at night is, uh, you know, that just raises everybody's spirits. Well, I mean, what a brilliant move! You get to wheel all day, and then you have Marco <laughs> cook for you whenever you get to camp. I mean, right. you know, nobody can accuse you of being slow on <laughs> anything. So, you know, and that 392 he's got now is really awesome. I saw your walk around video where you went back to the exact same spot. Yeah that you filmed the first walk around yeah. for that 392. But what yeah. a beautiful setup he's got. Yeah, he, you know, it's, it was really cool to watch him. He, he, you know, we text back and forth all the time. And when he got that Jeep, uh, he was texting me, you know, every other day about things he was working on and tinkering on. And I'm like, man, I cannot wait until you share this with everybody. Folks are going to love what you've done to this thing. He, and he's done such a great job um, because, you know, he's already gone through the process once. He, he was very knowledgeable about knowing what he wanted to do the second time around. He's done, he's done an awesome job with that thing. And it, it's fast. <laughs> a fast <laughs> overlander? That doesn't happen. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and it sounds pretty mean coming down the trail, too. Yeah, uh, sure. That exhaust system he's put on there. Though, if you don't have Marco with you, a lot of times you've got Regina. And those Greek quesadillas you cooked, <laughs> uh, I was, I was going to actually write and ask for the recipe, but you kindly shared it already. So I think that's probably going to be uh, a part of my uh, next trip just a word of advice if you're listening to this don't watch trail recon videos at night you're just going to get hungry and go right to the bridge and you're you're probably responsible for a few of the extra pounds that uh, that i've got now you guys have some other sites and endeavors besides the youtube channel obviously uh, i mean we've mentioned trailrecon.com uh, your website you've got the blog on there some excellent uh posts but you've also got some gear uh, some merchandise there that people can pick up. How do you select the gear that goes onto your site? Uh, so the goal is really to be as a, as comprehensive as we can. So it's not just the gear I'm using because just the gear I'm using may not be for everybody. There may be a better solution for somebody else. And and we're not uh, Jeep specific on the channel either. So or on the yeah, website, nice. um, you know, we want it to be for anybody that's got any kind of vehicle. And so we're just trying to find good quality products that uh, that I think folks will enjoy using. And uh, again, it's not not necessarily the stuff that I'm using. I think it's the stuff that folks may find it useful. It's essentially a one-stop shop for overlanding supplies to outfit your your adventure. 
Yeah, I was going to say it, it really looks kind of A to Z. I mean, you've got camping and kitchen recovery, storage, electronics, vehicle accessories. I mean, anything that you probably would need or want to strap onto your vehicle or whatever is there. So pretty comprehensive. They even have, and I'm hoping that Santa is listening, um, this new uh, portable, it's like a wine carafe and glass set. <laughs> <laughs> they're not glass glass, they're plastic, so you can take them over landing, but it's pretty cool. Just saying. <laughs> uh yeah so overlanding has its own wine craft now i love it <laughs> it's crazy when people are coming up yeah you're also involved in uh, e3 overland um and you started that in uh, 2020 now that is part of an e3 sort of there's an overall you know different i don't know how i want to say this sections of e3 yeah, E3 Association. I, I was excited to partner partner with them and help develop the E3 Overland uh, site. You know, it, it, you can only do so much uh, on YouTube where you're just sharing information through videos and videos mm-hmm. and the website, you know, being able to post the blogs. But I think there's there's a better way to build community than just showing videos and posts. And so what we wanted to do was find a way to educate folks uh, empower them uh, and entertain them. And so that's what the three E's are for is educate, mm-hmm. empower, and entertain. And so we we did a ton of educational content. It's just short little snippets of uh, education for folks that maybe are new to overlanding that want to figure out uh, you know, what works for them. Uh, we wanted to do some things where we get folks together and bring people together, something that I can't do as a one-man show on Trail Recon, but with a with a team behind it, the E3 Association team, we're able to uh, do these amazing events. And so we've just finished our second annual trip to the Grand Canyon where, you know, we had over 120 members out there. Um, we did a big conference this last year, and we've got some really, really exciting stuff uh, coming in 2022 where we're going to do some stuff across the country. But, we've, you know, at the expos, we we get members together offsite and have some cool stuff. And so it's been great uh, seeing members come together uh, and then building friendships and then going off and they're doing their own adventures together. And that's what I really wanted uh, E3 to be able to kind of stimulate was some of that get together and go have adventures with friends. Yeah, we sort of accidentally bumped into you uh, up near St. George as you guys we're starting that run down to Whitmore, we had bailed out into a hotel, you know, just to do laundry and, and check emails and all that kind of stuff. And one of the, uh, uh, couples that was going on the trip, just walked by us as we were eating breakfast and said, uh, you look like overlanders. (laughs) I had no, I, I don't know what that means, but anyway, I guess we did. So we found out about it and I thought, well, you know, I want to, I want to go by and say hi, but I mostly wanted to see like all the, the nice rigs and stuff, but there were some excited and happy people down there. So, I mean, Regina, it's got to be fun to meet them and sort of help them live out their, you know, overlanding dreams. Yeah, no, it's fun. We've met some really great people that, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm new to this cause I've been working full time until August. Um, when I joined Brad on this venture full time. So, um, but since then I've met a lot of the same people at different events and just kind of getting to catch up with them is great. Cause as Brad said, it's about community. Um, and one of the couples, they were there with their three-year-old little boy and a uh, little girl, I want to say she was eight ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about how coming back every year and doing the same event and we can all watch the kids grow up and, you know, when they get their own overland vehicles and, um, it's just really fun. And hearing these people, you know, talk to Brad or talk to me and tell, tell me how much, he has inspired their adventures um, is great because that's really the whole point of what he wants to do is encourage people get off your couch, unplug, go out there with your family, 
and enjoy life because this only happens once. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool uh, to hear about what people are doing out there, but you know, I spent a lot of time talking to a camera lens and I don't, I don't spend a lot of time talking yeah. to people. And so yeah. being able to have these events where uh, I can talk to, you know, folks that are enjoying the videos and find out what their stories are and, and how I can maybe help them along the way is something that's, it's important to me. I, I love getting out to uh, the E3 events, to the Overland Expos and, uh, and getting an opportunity to actually talk to the people that are actually following the channel. And so I'm not just mm -hmm. talking to a camera lens all the time. <laughs> all right. No, you actually just launched a second YouTube channel, Unlimited Recon. Yeah, I, I'm just playing around with that. You know, I, I mentioned that, you know, when we started years ago that we did dirt bikes and uh, and ATVs, and that's something I still enjoy doing. And so that's just kind of kind of a side little thing we're just going to have some fun with uh, when there's some free time, which there's not a lot of free time, but I have uh, I have an electric dirt bike that I'm going to take with me on, uh, on some adventures, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool. It's actually really neat. Uh, th there's some really cool technology side in there. Side. Yeah, we've got a side, we have a, a player side by side now. And I think, you know, I, I don't think that's content that is necessarily what uh, what belongs on trail recon. And so that's why mm. I kind of started the second channel and where we can maybe do some things of, of how you can have adventures in different ways. So obviously you visited lots of places and tons of trails. What's on Brad's list of must experience trails? Oh man. I'll tell you, there's, there's so many things that I want to do. I have a list. It's, it's on my computer here somewhere that have about probably 30 different trails, but our biggest one that we want to do right now is Alaska. Uh, we're going to, we're going to make it to Alaska this year. Uh, I I've been to Alaska. I was fortunate enough to go up there uh, in 2019 for the uh, ultimate adventure, but I didn't get to drive my Jeep. I was a co-driver in somebody else's Jeep and I want to go up there and go all the way up to Prudhoe Bay uh, in my own vehicle with my friends and get to plan the route myself. And so I'm really, really looking forward to uh, doing a good, I think we're gonna make it four weeks total of uh, a trip from here to San Diego all the way up to Alaska. Uh, and then, you know, we've done a lot of stuff here in Southern California, Moab and Utah, Colorado. And I think we wanna venture out a little more. My goal is to do all 50 states. I don't have a, a, a deadline uh, when I'm gonna do all 50 states, but the goal is to keep venturing out further and further to, until we hit all 50 states. I, I haven't figured out where we're gonna off-road in Rhode Island yet, but we're gonna figure that out. It might be some of these different driveways or something. But. <laughs> Regina, what areas of the country have left an impression on you and where'd you like to go explore next? Uh, well, I, I love forests, mountains, rivers, so I'm definitely more more into elevation than desert. But um, I recently went on a work trip, um, recently, July timeframe, June, July, to New England, and I absolutely loved it. And I would love to go explore some trails there. We went to Mystic, Connecticut. Uh, it was a work trip, so a lot of Navy bases. We were in Groton, Annapolis, um, but just the whole area was beautiful, and I would love, love, love to go back. Yeah, and you know, when we were at uh, Overland Expo in Virginia, uh, that was an awesome trip, but we got to explore uh, West Virginia, Virginia a little bit, coming yes. through Tennessee and seeing some of that great stuff. It was beautiful. But the cool thing was, is as we were at Overland Expo, uh, getting to talk to folks about where they go. And it's funny because out here on the West Coast, people say, oh, there's no public lands on the East Coast. And there's definitely not as many public lands. There's definitely a limited mm -hmm. amount. 
But talking to the people that lived out there, they're like, oh, no, you can go here or Maybe. you can go there. Yeah. And it was just like, OK, I was taking a whole lot of notes. So we're definitely going to we're going to take uh, take some folks up on some of the places they, uh, they volunteered yeah. information for. If a person that was maybe just getting started in off-roading and overlanding or was thinking about it came up to you for a couple of pieces of advice, what would you say? Uh, I would say go get the basics and go. Uh, people oftentimes will be like, oh, I'm going to get my vehicle outfitted for overlanding and then get up and going. And you just don't need to do that. You know, when we started, um, our Jeep was mostly stock. stock. I mean, it was stock for a long time, but I think the first time we actually camped, maybe it had a lift kit on it. But we we just took our, at the time, it was just our hiking gear. So our basic hiking gear that my son and I carried with us because we, we would go out to trails further and further away. And we're just like, we get home late at night. And we're like, why don't we just camp? when we're out there. And so we were calling it overlanding, but we didn't work taking, you know, all this crazy gear with us. I, I say crazy gear, but that's the gear that makes life a little more mm. convenient, but you don't need it to start. You just need, you know, you need a shelter, you need a food and water, you need some safety gear, you need some of the basics, just go out. And as you continue to go out more and more, you'll figure out what you do need and what you don't need. Um, sometimes people overpack a little bit. So that's my advice is just, just get the basics, get out there and go have a good time. Just go, just get started. Yeah, great advice. Uh, final question for you. How has off-roading and overlanding, your experiences doing those, uh, enhanced your lives? I have some of the most amazing memories that, uh, that I think we never would have had if uh, we hadn't done some of this stuff. I, I mentioned that trip with my son um, to Montana, but the trip that Regina and I had to Washington uh, was was a huge uh, transformation in, in our lives. And this, the time that I've spent with uh, my sons out there are memories that nobody can ever take away from us. Uh, and thankfully, uh, I filmed them. So when I'm senile, I'll still have them. <laughs> but, but I... I uh, it's been the time spent with family and friends. You know, Regina mentioned that I was in the military and deployed a lot. And so that took a lot away from some of that time when they were growing up. And we've been able to kind of get some of that back uh, by doing some of this stuff. And so for me, it's been a lot of the memories. I would say just being outside in nature. I mean, whether you're going out with the basics or, you know, you're upping your game with glamping, but just being outside is scientifically proven to be good for your mental health. And I know last year was at working full time. So I worked with Navy Medicine with COVID. I was working seven days a week at some points, 12, 16 hour days. I was totally burnt out. I loved my job, but um, being able to get out in nature and overland is really been um, a stress relief and a sanity saver. So no matter what you do, just getting outside in nature is just so good for your well-being. Well said. Well, Brad, Regina, thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedules to chat with us today. It's so appreciated. Thank you for having us. This was so much fun. Yeah, thanks, Wade. It's been great talking with you and, uh, and I look forward to uh, hopefully catching you out on a trail again in the future. Hopefully, Brad and Regina inspired you to get outside and find a fun trail to explore. If so, Guide GPS can certainly help you find that perfect trail wherever you might be. It's a big world out there, and you need a big, powerful map app to help you find your way. 
Our podcast listeners get a sweet 40% off a Gaia GPS premium subscription. Just go to www.gaiagps.com slash podcast to unlock all the best maps and features that Gaia GPS has to offer. This is Wade. See you next time.